the Mets. We What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Shay and Sons podcast for episode number 13. What's going on out there? What's going on to my baby brother? What's up, baby? What's going on, man? It's a lot to talk about. The, the Luis Guillaume episode. Let's get started. Oof. Wow. Hang that. <laughs> what they say? Hang it in the Louvre, whatever. Yeah, hang that yeah, one in the, the Louvre. The Louvre. No, nah, I like the Met. Whatever Hanging in the Met. Hanging in the Met. I these Mets. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to everybody tuning in. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, and uh, shout out to the people over at Shea Hello Media. Um, yeah, man. Listen, there's a lot to talk about with a team that's like what eight games under 500. You could, you know, especially with a payroll this high. I mean, you. I, this might be the most interesting bad team in the history of this sport. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm rocking with it. This is the worst team money could buy. Again, <laughs> that's that's like the new meme right now. Worst, the yeah. worst uh, team money can buy. With, the, with that being said, listen, we're gonna jump into some series recaps. Um, in between those series recaps, we had, you know, Mr. Cohen, the Messiah, the the end all be all, the Vince McMahon of the of the entire sport. Uh, Kind of give his two cents on the state of the New York Mets. That occurred. We're going to definitely have a whole segment of that. Um, and within, with, with that being said, we're going to give you guys a whole crash course on the Major League Baseball draft that's coming up this Sunday. Um, it's a unique draft uh, because a lot of people are still kind of getting their kind of still not like kind of aware of how this draft works. It's very different than the NFL and the NBA draft. Um but it's making its strides. It's getting to a point where it's a little bit more popular. It's kind of starting to have its uh, big events. It's starting to, you know, every year kind of become a bigger thing, the more money that's being put into it by the sport. And um, there's a lot of intricacies to this draft. We'll go over all the rules, and we're going to give you guys a deep dive into the history of the, the Mets draft classes because those are a doozy. And, um, yeah, listen, let's just jump out. Oh, um, also, not to mention, we, we made a trade, another one. So I think it was like back-to-back yeah. episodes with a trade or something like that. So Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, why don't you kick us off, baby brother? We're starting off in that horrible game in Philadelphia. That's wrapping up that series. Yeah, we, uh, we lost another series, which is a common th- trend that's running through this, uh, the month of June. But um, this one was particularly bad because it was in division. It was Philly. We were up six to three. Yeah, we lost in the most hilarious fashion ever. Yeah. Brett Mets, Beatty forgot how to field. Yeah, um, Josh Walker. He was just walking the park. Uh, Jeff Bridgem. See you later. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my my team. Oh, we're gonna touch on <laughs> um, that. <laughs> um, and yeah, there was a lot of questions thrown Bucks way. A lot of people wanted him fired after this game. A lot of people were up in arms. A lot of people saw what. Buckonomics is. Yeah, that was the most buckonomic game of the season, in my personal opinion. I mean, I don't blame a lot of people for wanting the manager gone after that because, I mean, we got so many mixed messages of who was available, who wasn't, and the decision to go to so many relievers or, the, or who to go to at certain times, it just didn't make any sense. I know there's people out there trying to justify it. I mean, I, I, I just don't know how you could defend these 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 
you know, war yeah. crimes of baseball. Honestly, that's what I call them, war crimes of baseball. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Osama I, bin Showalter. Honestly, I, yeah, Osama bin. Oh my god, I just don't know how anyone can like genuinely think that Jeff Bridgem is a quality reliever. There's people out there who 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 like really believe in this guy, and uh, you know, I would love to have him on our podcast to let him know, like, bro, you're just better off like doing the engineer stuff on our show, honestly, than, than pitching for the New York Mets because like, I generally don't think you're good at anything baseball-related. But, hey, let's, let me stop hating real quick. Um, you, you, listen, we, we, we shit the bed in Philadelphia, and you think we're going to turn it around with a four-game set heading back to City Field against Milwaukee, a team who beat the living piss out of us back in, I believe, April. Um, they swept us two of those games, like 10 nothing, 9 nothing. They just dominated us. And, um, nope. Nope, the Mets absolutely did not do that. They refused to do the right thing, as they've been doing all year. And, you know, in a four-game set, you're thinking, eh, maybe we could split, you know. I'll take it. It is what it is. No, too hard for them. We lose three out of four to the Milwaukee Brewers. Unfortunately, we could have won three out of four. Um, Within that uh, that uh, that series, uh, Vince McMahon, the Messiah, the GOAT, he who should not be named, a.k.a. Steve Cohen, had a State of the Union uh, press conference for every single Met fan out there to understand where the hell this franchise is going this season because right now it's falling short of every single goal. We'll definitely jump into that in a moment. And, um, yeah, man, look, that Brewer series was brutal because we could have won a lot more than we lost. And, you know, Devin Williams, we had to face that. Him and the rest of that bullpen from Milwaukee was just an absolute, like, just a shitstorm. They were they were very good. They have really good relievers on that team. So shout out to them, um, a.k.a. David Stearns, built team, feel me. Um, check out the David Stearns episode if you want to know more about the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, and, yeah, the Mets couldn't handle the Brewers, honestly. They, could, they, they couldn't handle themselves because they're their own worst enemies. And, um... You know, even with the the owner talking, you would think it sparked something with the team. Kind of didn't. Fell flat on their face right after he spoke. They lost that game. And, uh, yeah, man, it was it was a really rough week for all the Mets fans. But you have some positive news because the San Francisco Mets came to town, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The San Francisco Mets, the J.D. Davis Oh, my God. How many, how many times did we have to hear that guy's name this weekend? Like, he's some legend. Like, give me a break, bro. Acting like that's Ricardo oh, Alfonso, bro. I got an email from the Athletic telling me about a J.D. Davis article yeah. in regarding the Mets and how they didn't want to play him. And I almost canceled my subscription. I swear to God. Like, J.D. Davis Who cares? is like, bleh. Like, bro, you couldn't play he's New York. Stunk, and he... He stunk this series, too. So yeah, what does he, it matter? You know what's funny? Gary Cohen, rare W for Gary Cohen, was saying one thing he couldn't do as a New York Met is hit a fastball. And what did the Mets do this whole series? Throwing fastballs. And it was like, you know, flashback Tuesdays for every Met fan. Oh, look, J.D. Davis can't hit a fastball. No wonder why he's not here. That's probably why you couldn't yep. play every day, homeboy. But, you know, I apologize for interrupting you because of J.D. Davis. But continue. Good Lord. So the Mets beat J.D. Davis, and they took care <laughs> of the San Francisco Gi- Mets, Giants. Um, and they won the series. They won the series finally. They were 7-19 and 19 in the month of June. They came into the, to the month three and a half games back, and then now they're 18 and a half almost around there. Yeesh. It's been bad. The month of June was absolutely awful. There were 13 blown leads. 
six of them were, uh, yeah, I believe six of them were losses of six or more where we led. Um, and yeah, it, it, was make, just, it was just an awful month. Doesn't make sense. Awful month, but it doesn't make any sense, Mm-mm. you know, when you think about it, because this team just hits. This team can actually hit. Hey, this, this I know they have their day. Team. Like offense is good. It's how oh, do you lose because fine. you're scoring? Well, it doesn't make sense, bro. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. But you know what? We won the series. We started the month of July on a good note, even though Pete Alonso couldn't get the ball out. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, look, we took care of business against the San Francisco Mets, uh, who have been really hot of late. I mean, let's call it what it is. The, They've been pretty good. I mean, not as good as they were in 2021, where they were hitting the, the cover off the ball. But it was uh, it was interesting. The Mets, I know we didn't do well against the Brewers, but the Mets have been pretty good against good teams. It's just everyone else. Yeah. They just don't know yeah. how to play baseball against um but yeah, that was the that that's the week that was. Right now we're heading out to Arizona. Uh hopefully we could take two out of three out there against another good team. And uh maybe we could go into the break, you know, on a on a high because who knows? Maybe the Mets could do something right for once this season because all we've done all season is give them the proper route to do things correctly. And the Mets are like, no, we don't want to do that. So, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Um Still boggles my mind. The team scores runs and loses. Like what? What Met team? Like how many Met teams have we seen can't get you two runs and and we lose? But this team can get you six and they lose consistently by getting six. And this is ass backwards. It's, it doesn't make any sense. But you know what I'm thinking about when I when I hear that? I'm just thinking about like yo. He's not thinking about us, but if Jacob DeGrom saw that shit, oh. I know he'll be tight. It's like we're cursed. <laughs> like the Jacob DeGrom curse. Now that he's not here, we score runs and we're still losing. It's like, what? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, Interesting. So we had a we had a rough week, more or less. It, it finished nicely. So hopefully, you know, we go into the break properly. I got to start changing the wording that I'm using with this team. My vocabulary has to expand because I can't say the right way because there's no right way with this team. So maybe we go into the all-star break properly because we only have one all-star, which, hey, whatever. That's a whole nother discussion in itself, but whatever. The all-star game is a joke. It is what it is. Um, But shout out to Pete Alonso. He he got the selection. Um, No comment. Probably should have had a few more. Mainly Nimmo and Lindor, but whatever, you know, it is what it is. I just think the whole thing is stupid. Um, but hey, it is what it is. We got a two ten hitter going to the All Star game. Um, Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen, he took time out of his very busy schedule to talk to the Keiths and the Keyshawns and the Edges and the Cousins and the Joe and Clarks of the world. To let everyone know what's going on in Metland. Does he hear, you know, the cries from the crowd? Does he understand the team is failing? Does he have any intention of changing anything and the state of the entire franchise? Um, What was your general thoughts about just him having to do that? Like, not even the press conference, but him just doing that at that specific time. I feel like when you have a team that has had the expectations that this team has had placed on it, mm-hmm. along with the amount of money that they spend, obviously first in baseball, given with how poorly they played in the month of June, almost not winning, well, not almost, at the time almost, but now 
not winning a series the entire month. I think it was very appropriate for him to step out. We don't normally hear from him for a reason. He is the owner. Um, he has people to do that for him. But the people that he hired to do that for him, to speak out and to give us a state of the union for the team, the fans are kind of turning on. Mm-hmm. Um, Very, good Very good point. So I think that him stepping out, um, you know, even though they, they spoke before him, him stepping out, it kind of gave us like, okay, this is, we need to take this seriously mm-hmm. uh, as a fan base. We, we, we all watched it from beginning to end for a reason. And it was mm-hmm. because we, we have a certain type of hope, a certain type of trust with Steve. Correct. I guess we're still in the honeymoon phase. Correct. And yeah, I think I think it was very appropriate for him to do. It, it, very interesting because, you know, a lot of people sit here and say, why does a, an owner have to come out and, and talk and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's so, it's so funny because there's so many, you know, baseball fans out there that don't really pay close attention to other teams. Literally a week prior, Hal Steinbrenner went on the Michael K show and spoke like his own state of the union. So like owners do this, you know, it's usually the owners in bigger markets because, you know, smaller markets, they don't need to, they kind of hide. But the two New York owners have done this. Um, I believe the San Diego president or the president of baseball operations has spoken a little, Uh, you know, teams who are underperforming or just not meeting expectations. It's been a rough year for teams with, you know, who spent a lot of money. A lot of teams, it's kind of been, very difficult for them to function properly under the new rules and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, Steve Cohen having to do that or, or, or feeling the need to do that. I appreciate it as a Met fan. Um, it's interesting because, you know, we're not, we're, we're happy about him doing it because we never right. experienced that in the past. So right. it's, it's one of those, Ooh, Ah, you know, ooh, ah, he speaks, you know, like, oh, my God, yeah. you know, oh, my God, Steve Cohen. Oh. So it's like, you know, you kind of you kind of have to stop what you're doing to listen to what's going on, because, you know, he is right. he, at the end of the day, you know, he's the guy pushing all the buttons at the end of the day. You know, he can have all these people in place, but, you know, things don't get signed off without his approval. So, hey, it is what it is. Shout out to our owner for speaking to us. Um, now, going to what he said, he started off. Straight out the bat, straight out the bat, let everybody know he wants a president of baseball operations. So shout out to Steve Cohen for listening to the Shane Sons podcast because we're a week ahead. We let him know that, you know, we were talking about the president of baseball operations just a week prior to him speaking out to the public about it. So shout out to Mr. Cohen because I know you listen. Um, And he made it very clear. I want a president of baseball operations and then I'm set. He said it like two, two or three times at the very beginning of the of the interview or our press conference, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting that that was like the first like like topic that was brought up. Like that's one thing. That's a seat that he wants filled. It was very it's like, you know, we're talking about this season and he's talking about an acquisition that could happen in the offseason. So it's like. That is like one of the main priorities he has for the organization. So I, I did like that. That that's something I appreciated because I think that's something that we do need. Because I don't think Billy Upler is the man for the president and the GM role. I, I, even though he's acting president right now, but he is the GM. Right. Um, right. So I appreciate that. That's a need that will be filled. And he made it clear at the end or like midway through that that person will be Billy Upler's boss. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, what I kind of was not really in love with 
he made it very clear that uh, Billy Epler and Steve, uh, excuse me, Billy Epler and Buckshaw Walter will be in their jobs throughout the duration of this season. Um, and he made it clear that he doesn't want to go firing people. He doesn't want to make the atmosphere very hostile. He doesn't want to have people walking on eggshells. He want to make sure, you know, the job is done or the, done to the best of its ability. He believes in the people he has in place right now. I'm, you know, you know how I feel. You're the more of the Billy guy. I'm more of the Buck guy. I understand. I, I guess I get it. The logic behind it is just like, man, it's like, you know, the on base, this, the, the in baseball decisions of this team, you know, something eventually has to change. You know, you know, even if we somehow figure it out, you know, when we play well, we still find ways to make our lives harder. So I don't know if we're either like legitimately cursed or we just don't know how to properly play a full nine inning game. So that's why, like, I have such frustration towards Buck. Um, but anyways, back to Cohen so we could, you know, get your take on it. The other, the thing that I'm kind of interest about, like, int- like caught my interest was, uh, you know, he talked about selling at the deadline. He talked about acquiring at the deadline. And he, he made it very clear that if nothing changes with the team, if we don't get better in a month, that he probably wouldn't add. And he probably will look to see what he can get in terms of selling some of his pieces off. Um, that's how I interpreted it. Um, he, he also did wanted to like make it clear that he doesn't want to quit right now on these guys. He doesn't want to quit on Max. He doesn't want to quit on Justin. He even spoke about Jeff McNeil's struggles. Like he, he understands that a lot of guys are not playing to the back of the baseball card and he wants to give them the, like the, the max opportunities to succeed. And he made it very clear that he wants to get to the deadline and make sure he reassesses everything. From there, then I guess we will see how we end the season. But that's kind of what I took from it. I don't know. You give me your full, you know, how you digested the words from our owner. Because um, I did like that he said what he said. But I also, you know, it didn't, nothing really changed. I guess we all kind of assumed that that's what he was going to say, more or less. Um, He did answer everything fairly, you know, respectfully. I did appreciate that. Some questions were legit. Some were kind of like gimmies. But um your 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 how you digest it you you let me know you let the people listen in how how you took the whole Steve Cohen thing well I thought it was very interesting how blunt he was with some of the answers that he had I felt like he did a lot of heavy lifting with some of the questions that were asked and you know giving us a full detailed outlook and how he saw things so um credit to him on that um I did not expect anything special to happen with this. I kind of was more or less expecting to hear his thoughts on some of the things that, you know, have, you know, transpired. I do like the fact that he addressed the president of baseball operations. Maybe, maybe he just, maybe he realized that Billy is just not the man for that job and he doesn't really trust him. Uh, You know, um, he saw him for two years. He saw him for what? a year and a half, two years now. And he's been able to get a full gauge of what Billy Epler is. And maybe that's just not a good GM. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he notices that this is kind of a bad investment so far. 
and he kind of alluded to it with some of the answers that he made. The business um, answers, you know, like the business yeah, yeah. answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was that. he was definitely like 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 tiptoeing around it, but he definitely saw this team as like you know he wants to give the guys ample amount of time, which I think they'll get the full month of July mm-hmm. before they actually make the decision on whether they want to sell or not. Mm-hmm. I think he's invested with this team because of the money, but he knows that there's a lot of holes in a lot of different places. Um, as it pertains to Billy and, and Showalter, I wasn't really expecting them to get fired. He did, however, allude to the fact that he would be open to firing them if this does not get turned around, which it could be, you know, something that he's just saying to placate the fans, or it could be something that's real. And I think it's more real in the Billy Epler case. Yeah, I agree. Because if Billy Epler... If Billy Upler was proving himself to be a good GM, I think he would have gotten the president of baseball operations title and the fact that he hasn't. And Valid right point. off the bat, that was the that was the first question that was answered and asked. I think they were heavily looking to somebody filling possibly both roles if this doesn't get turned around. Or at least, you know, keeping Billy around as like, you know, a guy just to be around the scenes like uh like a, a Sandy Alderson or, mm-hmm. or uh, what was that guy from the Knicks? Scott Perry. Yeah. You know, you never hear advisor, from him. You never see him. But advisor, yeah. consultant, whatever. Role. Right, right. They, they might just do that, which will be like a demotion for Billy Eplak. Full-fledged see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, all his, all his answers I thought were well said. I thought he was, you know, trying not to fully say, yo, I'm out on this team. This These motherfuckers suck. <laughs> you know, all that. He wasn't – he was – he was being very well um, presented, and I think that, you know, I think it was a growing step for him yes. as a yes. owner. I, yes. I think that, you know, a lot of fans, um, they were they fell in love with him off the bat because he put certain expectations on himself. The three to five year thing. Right. That, that, that didn't make any sense at the time, and he kind of said, yo, I, I kind of want to, like, backtrack from that mm-hmm. like that's not i don't want that to be like the the uh i guess the um the staple the theme like, oh, yeah yeah the, yeah, the staple or, of yeah. my yeah of my tenure as an owner he kind of right. alluded to that right and i appreciate him doing that that shows a little bit of growth that shows that you know he realizes that this takes more than just having a open checkbook absolutely you know absolutely. and this is this is a full-fledged process that you know, it has to have all hands on deck, players included, coaches mm-hmm. included, everybody top to bottom, triple A, double A. And he's noticing that. Um, and I think this was a very good step in the right direction for Steve Cohen, but also mm-hmm. a good step in the direction for us to, to at least um, gain a little bit more trust with him. Yeah. And I think I, th- I think we got that with with this. Yeah, I- I could agree with that. I also, you know, I did appreciate that, you know, to to sit there and tell, you know, the entire New York media that our farm system is years behind. Like that's a, that's a little break right. to be and a little blunt to to you know he could have said oh, we're on pace we're we're getting there. No, he, he said we're behind. You know, he, yeah, because of the last tenure, right? He, yeah, I think he, he alluded to the wolf farms not having. Yeah, he kind of wanted to make that known, like yo, the people before me they didn't do right by this farm system. They completely gutted it and it's funny how we're we're going to talk about the draft in a little bit and we can kind of show the world 
he's not lying. He's absolutely right. correct. You know, um, he has he has his sight set on improving the pitching. He didn't, you know, interpret like he kind of like let that be known. Um, and he 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 said like, look at the other teams that are doing good. I, I believe he did mention the Braves. He's like, yo, look, they they yeah. they're rocking he out. Did. Like, you know, they're doing their thing, and we're we're like years behind. So, you know, to say that. I appreciate that. Um, the whole three to five thing, I, it, like you said, I, it shows growth. He's 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 learning on the job. He was a novice as an owner for, for a baseball team, and he's he's getting better. He's getting much better. Uh, but that's 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 another thing too. Like every owner across sports, mm-hmm. the minute they the minute they buy the team, mm-hmm. there's always something big that happens. Whether it's an acquisition. Mm-hmm. Or just the owner being a jackass and putting unnecessary expectations on players and staff that doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always something. Alex Rodriguez, they made that Rudy Gobert trade mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve Cohen, he brought uh, Francisco Lindor here. Like, yeah. every owner, I feel like, has to make something uh, happen immediately so that they could gain the fans' trust. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets did it with Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason yeah. Terry. I mean, that's a really good example. Um, I believe it was Romakov, Romanov, whatever. Um, yeah. he, he he made that like his like his main like moment as you know whatever role he was in and shit. So, um, no, I agree with that one hundred percent. He's growing on the job. He's doing he's doing a great job, kind of like assessing things and and realizing that baseball is it's a long game. If you're, be, if you're being honest, right. like you can't win overnight. It's very difficult. It doesn't happen often. And he wants to be a stable franchise. So, you know, I couldn't agree more with some of the stuff he said. I, I just, I guess I just wish that he didn't have to do the press conference, in my honest opinion. I wish we weren't at this state where he had to do that. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. you can interpret almost everything he was going to say before he would even announced it. Or like we could have said, oh, yeah. what if Steve Cohen was going to talk? What if Steve Cohen was to hold a press conference? What would he talk about? We probably could have got like an 80 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 if there was if that was like a quiz for me and you. You know, we kind of knew he was going to yeah. say half the things he was going to say. I do have a conspiracy theory, though. We, um, we were playing the Brewers. And um, the first question off the bat was about <laughs> the president of baseball ops. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made sure one of the the reporters was kind of like given like a little bit of a, hey, if you ask this question first, you know, you will be the first to be asked many questions or, or allowed to ask many questions in the near future. You know, that's just me. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, and we were playing the Brewers. So who who knows? Maybe. David Stearns was having a nice little cocktail and looking at an owner of a very expensive franchise, let the whole world know he's not going to quit on everything, but things need to get better. And he's willing to eat money if he has to, you know, based off some of the poor decisions that we've made, especially Mr. Epler. So um, who knows? Maybe he purposely, this guy's not stupid. You know, this guy's not dumb. Um, but yeah, you know, hey, look, it happened. The Mets still didn't win when it happened. So, you know, like I said, long game. It is what it is. And um it it could get better, guys. Baseball wise, not so much, but it could it could get better. And I think he knows that. And I think it's gonna take time. I think people need to now realize that pa- practicing patience is gonna be very key for the New York Mets because 
we all want to win a World Series, but we all want to make sure like we don't win and then go into obscurity for like the next 20, 30 years. And, you know, that's something I wouldn't sign up for. I, I want to be competing mostly. You know, I do want to win, but I just don't want to win and, and be forgotten about. That's just me. You know, that's I'll, fair. You know, I that's, rather, that's I, fair. Yeah. I think we see it differently. I want to win. I think don't get me wrong. Different. If I win one, I'd be hyped. Like if I if we win next year, let's just say, right? I probably won't watch baseball the bro, year after. Bro, I'm not <laughs> watching. I'm not watching another Met game after if we win a World Series. That's it. I'm ending on a high note. I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm hanging on my jersey as a Met fan. If you see me at City Field, it'll be in street clothes. That's it. I, I'm hang, I'm hanging it up. I'm sorry. I can't I'm never blame, gonna I'm never gonna have that you. moment again. I can't blame you. I'm not far from that line of thinking, honestly. I'm not. I'm, but I I wouldn't mind the team to be a little bit of like a powerhouse for a while. Yeah, you know, like always yeah, be considered yeah, like yeah. the Dodgers won a COVID ring, but they haven't won a regular season, like you know, like or regular year. Right. Right. So like if we can win a, a, a championship and be like the Dodgers always, you know, 90 plus wins every year. I'll take that, you know, but that's just me being a little bit like, I, you know what it is? I got a lot of, we, we have a lot of losing to make up for. So I guess that's just the, it with me, but you know, yeah, what? if we were to win, if we were to win, maybe the following year, I probably wouldn't even watch or give a shit, honestly, and be whatever. <laughs> I really, I, that'd be honest. Like, I can't knock anyone to say, they are nuns. Yeah, it is, but it is. Nobody. <laughs> so hey steve listen to me um if you're if you're watching because i, I know you're watching um how about you get us that ring yeah do me that favor because you know I, I can't do this much more much longer um <laughs> oh man lord this team wow um the mlb draft baby brother now we have a lot to talk about this is going to be a fun segment because we're we're at a stage right now where the uh, the owner is saying, "Hey, we gotta build the we gotta build the farm. We gotta make sure the farm is in a better position. The guys before me, they suck. That's why they don't own the team no more. That's why they're not in their jobs anymore. We gotta make sure that yeah. these young kids we, we're developing athletic monsters down there, high throwing fastballs, guys running, you know, sixty, you know, dashes, whatever they call them, all that, you know." All that good stuff. We want five tool players. We want canning. diamonds in the rough. He wants all that. So it starts Sunday. You know, it technically it's been started because we've been drafting under, you know, his watch. But this interesting year specifically is it's widely regarded as one of the deepest major league baseball drafts in a very long time. Um currently, right now, the Mets will be positioned to select. 32nd so i know there's a lot of baseball i mean nfl fans out there there's 30 teams in major league baseball we're not drafting in the second round (laughs) you're not drafting the last pick of the first round like you would be in the nfl and we're going to explain to you know you guys why but the mets first selection this upcoming sunday will be 32nd overall and i'll explain why right now the first round we have from 1 to 28. So from 1 to 28, you're going to have 28 teams select. And then you're going to have a unique break right after that 28th pick. It's going to be the 29th pick. And it will be one team selecting. It will be the Seattle Mariners. And the reason why there's a break off between the 28th pick and the 29th pick is 
it is because there is a prospect promotion incentive pick. And with that being said, that's pretty much an awarded pick to a team that has a rookie on their roster on opening day and they don't get called down or sent down or anything like that. They're from opening day on and they win rookie of the year. And that honor went to Julio Rodriguez last year in the American League. So interestingly enough that the Mariners, they get an extra pick now. Right after that, there is another break-off. We're still in the first round, but there's, like, brackets of the first round, which can be a little confusing. The second bracket of the first round is called the competitive balance round A. What that means is if you are a small market team that is not meeting X amount of revenue or you are a big market team that is exceeding X amount of revenue, you will be selecting in this round. Now, the reason why the Mets are drafting in this round is because the Mets have created something called the Cohen tax. For those at home who don't know what the Cohen tax is, is when you go over the $300 million mark, you get taxed X amount of dollars the farther you go past that threshold. And the farther you get past that threshold, you have to pay penalties. One of those penalties is you will be selecting 10 picks behind the original pick you were originally supposed to get. So if the Mets didn't go past the Cohen tax, we would have originally be selecting 22nd overall. Unfortunately, because the Mets spent a lot of money on a lot of you know high-end names and free agency, the Mets got pushed down 10 slots to 32nd. Now, in this competitive balance round, it's low spenders and big spenders. So the first pick of this competitive balance round, now this is a round within the first round. This is why it could be a little crazy. It starts off with the Seattle Mariners because they don't spend a lot of money. And then it ends with the Oakland A's. Of course, it ends with the Oakland A's. So just, you know, in the mix, you have the Dodgers also. I mean, the Dodgers are spending a lot of money just like the Mets. But there's a lot of other teams in here who aren't spending money. You got the the Reds, you got the Tigers, you got the Brewers, you know? So this is a, Kind of like a, like a, I feel bad for you sort of incentive. And also I want to screw you over incentive for spending money. So it's very backwards. These are some of the problems major league baseball has. It's like, we're going to award you for calling up some of these kids on opening day. We'll give you an extra first round pick for that. But if you spend a lot of money, we're going to push you back all the way far back. So Oh, and guess what? If you don't spend a lot of money, we're going to give you a really high pick or an extra pick. So Major League Baseball has a lot of, you know, things to work out in this whole draft process. But that is more or less how the draft is going to work. You're going to have a lot of brackets within each round with a lot of rules assessed to these rounds. And it can be a little confusing if you're watching it at home. So I'm going to break it down real quick once again. From 1 to 28 this year, that is the first round. And then we're going to break off into two different brackets. You're going to break off into the prospect promotion bracket. That's just one team, the Mariners. And we're going to break off into the competitive balance round. That's from 30 to 39. And then the second round will begin. And then in the second round, you also have competitive balance breakoffs. And then you have compensation picks for teams who let go of players or, you know, didn't resign players for a certain amount of money. And then they get awarded a draft pick. You know, the Braves let go of Dansby Swanson. So they got a pick for, you know, letting not signing him stuff like that. So 
it could be a lot. Pretty much, Major League Baseball draft is com- is a little complex. And that's not the most confusing part of it all. Within the first round, there's something called slot numbers. Now, not like the NFL draft where the first overall pick, you know, they definitely get all the money. Like, it's guaranteed. You know, your Andrew Lux. Uh, was that? Joe Burrow went number one, right, Keyshawn? Oh, uh, Burrow. Yeah, oh, Burrow. Those kind of guys. They're going to get the most money. They went first overall. It's a no-brainer, right? So the way it works in Major League Baseball is if you get the first overall pick, you get the most amount of money to spend within the draft, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to spend it. It doesn't mean you can use it all. So the way this works is I'll give you guys the example. The team that's going to be selecting number one overall in this upcoming Sunday's draft is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they were awarded $16 million dollars. So they get $16 million to spend on draft picks. And they have a whole bunch of draft picks, right? Now, here's the thing, though. The most they can spend on the first overall pick this year is $9.7 million. So that's a good chunk out of the 16 mil. You know? So you got to be careful yeah. here. If they draft a really big name, and they're like, hey, I want that full max. I was picked number one overall. A team like the Pittsburgh Pirates who don't like to pay players, they could sit there and be like, hmm, nah, we can't do that. We're cheap. We don't want to give you a lot of money because then we're going to have to play you. And we're going to have to like actually you know, show the world how good you are, and then we're going to have to actually give you a real big contract, and then we're screwed, and then we can't afford you, and then we're going to let you walk, and the fans are going to hate us? No way. See, these are the things that actually happen in this sort of draft. Now, unlike the NFL draft, oh, we get the best player usually as a quarterback. We got to give him the money right off the bat. Here, sign the deal, you know, or the, the player could be like, I'm sitting out. Now, right. you know, they, they could be like, I'm not going to go to training camp. You know, I'll sit out a few games, but eventually a deal gets struck, right? Now, the way it works here in Major League Baseball is that if they do select a guy, they can, especially like a high school player, they can select, they, they can not sign with the team and go back into the draft the following year. Um, they can go back to their, you know, respective college and they could be like, I'm good. I don't want to be with this team. You guys don't want to pay me the money I want because you drafted me at number one overall. I'm good. I don't want to go here. Well, the interesting thing is the Pittsburgh Pirates, if they draft a guy and they're like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to, I don't want to be with you guys. They'll get the same pick next year, which is kind of nuts. And that happens for any team that can happen to any team. So that's a cool thing that happens. But you're also drafting guys out of high school, a lot of unknowns. You know, there's a lot of situations that can occur. A lot of guys want money. You know, the high school guys are more valuable because you kind of have more control over them. The guys who are in college, they have a little bit more wear and tear. They don't really have a lot of leverage. They may sign for cheaper. So it's interesting. You know, put it like this. The Mets, they were given $8.4 million for this draft. So they pick 32nd. So they they can work around some of these guys. Some guys might realize their draft stock is a little bit lower than what they originally thought, and they, they fall. And if the Mets select them, they'll sign real quick. Hey, I'll take what I can get. You know, I want to make sure I'm drafted. I want to be with this organization. I want to play for Steve Cohen and blah, blah, blah. So this is very interesting. Just to give you, the folks at home, a little bit more of an insight. Um one of the best teams in baseball, the Texas Rangers, 
They're drafting fourth overall. But the interesting thing about the Texas Rangers is that they don't have another pick after that. And that's because they signed so many guys. Jacob DeGrom, Nathan Evaldi. You know, they gave out a lot of big money. Um, and they they don't have a lot of money to spend in this draft either. They were giving $9 million, and they're the fourth overall team drafting. So if you're a team with only, like, one pick in, in the whole, like, draft, I think they have one more later in the draft. I could be wrong. But they're probably going to say, oh, wait, these low-market teams, they don't want to spend money on these draft picks. We're going to just throw the whole $9 million at, at a guy they're just completely passing on. And that's crazy in itself. You could get a good team, a good organization that spends a lot of money, take advantage of these low you know, market teams that don't want to hand out a lot of money to these young kids. Um, so that, 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 that's a crash course, more or less, into the, into the Major League Baseball draft. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of questions behind it. We're going to provide you as much information we could possibly give you guys. We're going to dive into the history of the Mets draftees since 2015. Um, Baby Brother put together a beautiful uh, little list there. And then we're going to go into some prospects we like. We're going to talk about what we want, what my brother wants, what I want, and what we should look forward to. You know, because these picks, if we kind of turn them into something, which we really hope and pray we can, they can alter the franchise in the next few years. So, you know, everyone wants the Mauricios up, the the Jet Williams. The, all that starts in, you know, these sort of settings. You know, there also is an international draft, but that's not this Sunday. We'll talk about that when that day does come. But, yeah, man, look, it, you got to make sure you use your money correctly. You get a, a pot of money for your entire draft. Make sure you don't blow it all on one pick. I mean, that pick may or may not sign for you guys. And a lot of people remember the Kumar Rocker thing. So just keep in mind yeah. that your team – they get a certain amount of money. They make sure they don't blow it all. They make sure they pick the right guy, you know, so that could come back to haunt them. It's an interesting sort of draft. It's not your common NFL, NBA draft. But, um, baby brother, why don't you let the world know how amazing the New York Mets are drafting since 2015? <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Bro. Like, I'm looking up and down at this list. This is pathetic. This is like. I don't know that half of our fan base is, like, over the age of, like, 35. But this is, like, if you just fast forward and MLB the show, like, five years. <laughs> and it's just names. It's just, like, you're rolling dice with random names. It's just, like, who the hell? Who the hell is Connor Wallershine? You don't know who that is? You know who that is? Bro, I don't know who that is. Bro, that's the guy who bought the Wendy's not too far from Glendale. You know. Oh, that's that's, that that's oh, I know I know my son Con. Yeah, come on. I know bro. who come he on, is. Bro. Yeah, come never on, mind. I know who he is. Come on, bro. Look, it has not <laughs> been good for the Mets to say the least when it comes to drafting. Um, in the first, well, look, in the first round we drafted David Peterson. Everybody knows who that is. Remember David Peterson? Yeah, baby Randy Johnson. How about that? First round yeah, pick. yeah. David, David Peterson in 2017, 2018, we obviously gave this pick away to Seattle. And then when Diaz trade, this was uh, Jared Kalanick. Um, and then 2019, 2019, uh, Brett Beatty. Oh, Brett Beatty fell into our lap okay. at number 12. Young man's Brett Beatty. Hopefully, you know, his career, um, it goes by with flying colors and he's here to stay. But you know, you fast forward to 2020, Pete Crow Armstrong is now a, 
Chicago Cub, and if I'm not mistaken, he's representing them in the Futures game. And he's so ranked, that one hurts. He's ranked like top 15 or some shit, or top 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. a bad one. That's yeah. a bad trade. That's that's a bad one. Plus, you think about it now. Obviously, if we don't make that trade, pre Armstrong is possibly our center fielder, and we don't have to pay Brandon Nemo. But that's neither here or there. But these are the types of situations that you know bring themselves up when we're talking about drafts and you know guys that we traded away and past drafts um 2021 kamar rocker was yeah. drafted by us by number 10. i remember i was very happy about this because so was kamar I, rocker yeah. along yeah kamar rocker along with jack Leiter, they were electric at vanderbilt um they had me watching vanderbilt me games <laughs> and, and they, like <laughs> they were so they were jerseys are fire uh, by the way Vanderbilt yeah, jerseys are yeah, fire yeah. bro yeah so um yeah shouts out to Kamar Rock obviously it didn't work out here he's back with the Texas well he's back with his boy uh Jack with the Texas Rangers I'm not sure if he's healthy or not right no, now I don't Tommy think John. he is but Tommy John Tommy John right, right. Tommy John right. yeah so you know look at that even even in the mid rounds for us uh it doesn't even get better Dominic <laughs> Hamill in oh. the 2021. <laughs> hey, that's a dub right there. He's, hey, he, I guess, he, he'll pitch a I, major I league a baseball dub. game for the Mets. He, he will. He'll, he'll he will. He will. So I guess that'll be a dub. Because a if dub. you look at all these if you look at all these names, if you really want to go back to 2015, Desmond Lindsay was our second round pick. Who the hell is that? I don't even know. He's you bagging know, groceries at you know, Whole Foods. Yeah, you, Desmond Lindsay, that's Bad Bunny's uh, agent. Come on, bro. Oh, that, I thought that was Bad Bunny's weird deal. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> that's, I didn't know that's, it was his agent. No, they call him uh, Desmond. They, hey, Desmond. 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 Desmond Lindy. Desmond. Desmond. But we fast forward to 2022. We drafted Kevin Parada with the number 11 pick. And because we uh we didn't, you know, sign Kumar Rocker the year before, we got Jeb Williams in the first round as well. There we Three go. picks after. There we go, guys. So, That's how it works. That's how the draft works, guys. Certain things like that do, like you said, you know, bring them, uh, you know, get brought up in drafts where, you know, guys don't commit to a team or the team doesn't commit to them. And, you know, you can capitalize. Kevin Parada and Jeb Williams are both highly touted prospects now. They were highly touted in the draft. I know that Kevin Parada had – uh, first overall grades from some scouts. Yep. So you know the situations like this always always happen, and you know it could happen with the Mets this year. Who knows? Interesting. Um, did we take P in the second round? I could have sworn we took we took P. Alonzo in the second round. Yes, that in might be one of the best second round picks of the last what five, six, seven, eight years that ever. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Because he might go down as yeah. one of the greatest Mets, the way he's going, you know. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, hey, look, I think it's not an exact science like they say in all drafts. You're going to have whiffs, you know. But we got to hit on something, you know. That, that's, like, kind of the key. Like, you got to come out the draft with, like, at least, like, two picks that you kind of can, you know, bank on. But... You know, the Mets, I believe they have like five or six picks within the first 110 picks or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, or something, something yeah. along those lines. Um, yeah. We got pick 101. We got pick 91. We got pick 56. We got pick 32. So that's four picks in the top 101. So there you go. So the Mets can hit on a few of these things, and it could really 
really, really look good for the farm. With that being said, we're going to talk about some of these kids that are going to get drafted Sunday. Now, there's a lot of talent in this draft, man. I've been doing a lot of research, a lot of reading. I even I was watching the college baseball World Series. I mean, bro, there's some dogs in this thing, man. They, I, I actually am genuinely excited to watch this. I, I, the, I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you. I'll give you guys a quick story. I watched Michael Conforto get drafted on MLB Network. And that was the first time I've ever watched an MLB draft when Michael Conforto got drafted. And there was no real research in front of me. I was just going off what MLB TV was saying. And, you know, crazy good grades, really good grades for Michael Conforto. And it worked out. It worked out. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. This kid's going to be great. we got a future outfielder. And I believe when he got drafted, our outfield was in shambles. So, um, and then the next time that I really, really watched was when we, like, I didn't give it give a shit after that. I didn't watch until we took Kumar Rocker last year because I was, like, really into, for whatever reason, I was really into Vanderbilt. I was really, I kept trying to watch, like, Jack Lighter games and Rocker games. And, I, well, we took him 11th, you said? Yeah. Around that yeah. number or something like that? Him 10th. Look at that. And I, so I knew we were going to get somebody that could have fell. Um, and he was falling. He was falling far, yeah. Last year, I fell in love with a prospect that was drafted by the Angels. And I was, like, really hoping that we would land him if, you know, because everyone thought Kumar Rocker was going to be, like, a top six, top seven pick. So I was like, all right, I'm going to keep my eyes set on this guy. I genuinely don't remember the, the player's name, but I know he just recently got called up and the Angels are in love with him. And they, they project him to be their closer. When he was in the draft, I have to look up this guy's name. I'm going to look it up now. But when he was in the draft, he was, like, one of the best starting pitchers. And so it's kind of crazy how, like, you know, a lot of these guys, they get drafted as shortstop and they end up as, like, a right fielder or a left fielder. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. these guys are, like, never, ever, like, what you would think they're going to be, you know, when they actually get called up. So, um why don't you let us know some of the prospects you've been keeping an eye out on? I'm, I, we haven't told, we haven't spoken to one another about some of the picks that we actually like, really like some of the prospects. We've kind of been purposely waiting for this moment. Um, and we kind of want to see if we like the same like players, if we kind of like have the same sort of taste with this draft or whatever research we've been yeah. doing. Um, oh, by the way, I got the name of that player. It's actually was drafted right before us, Sam Bachman. And he's currently up with the Angels. I had to look that up real quick. And then we took Kumar Rocker. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, why don't you let the world know out there who are some of the prospects you you know, you know kind of, like, fell in love with that you hope maybe we can land at 32 or just some prospects in general that you genuinely like. Oh, but before you go, just letting everybody know, there's three names. There's three names off the rip. Dylan Cruz. Paul Skeens, both from LSU, by the way, Dylan Cruz and Alfred, Paul Skeens, quote-unquote, the best pitcher in the draft, and Wyatt Langford. Those are projected to be the three best kids. Wyatt Langford from Florida, one of the best colleges in the world. Shout out, Florida. Um, those three names should go right off the rip, one, two, three, in however fashion. But because of the money and the slot and all that stuff, the Pirates, the Nationals, or whatever – we don't know who wants to spend what money, what player has what agent. You know, Scott Boris is going to play a huge role in this. It might not happen. So you might get a guy who's ranked like fourth go ahead of one of these three guys. 
So just prepare. There's actually going to be some drama someday. So I'm actually really excited for that. But uh, baby brother, why don't you let us know some of the prospects you kind of like? I'm very excited to talk about this. I was going to start with Wyatt Langford, but you mentioned he's from Florida, so I won't. Um, <laughs> we got to let the world know, know about what... our beef with that. <laughs> yeah, today, I'm though. a Florida a State fan. <laughs> I'm a Florida State fan. Keith is a Florida fan. We don't like each other when college football season starts, even though Keith stopped watching. He still keeps up. And <laughs> with Florida, I keep, up. Like I keep up with Florida. Yeah, yeah, you keep up with Florida. Yeah, yeah, Florida. Who's, um, the, who's the quarterback that just got overly drafted like crazy? Richardson? Anthony Richardson, yeah. All right, yeah. he's going to win rookie of the year, just in his sleep, by the way. Who drafted him? <laughs> um, The Colts. So. It's a wrap. He went to the Colts. Yeah. The Colts breed quarterbacks. I can't wait. But anyways, continue. <laughs> anyways. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so I when I looked at this draft and I looked at some of the names and I looked at where the Mets positioned, they're positioned at 32, as we've said. So I thought about pitching immediately. Mm -hmm. um, last year we drafted a catcher and a, a shortstop slash second baseman. You know, a couple years before, obviously, Pete Alonzo. We got Mark Vientos, Brett Beatty. So we're drafting a lot of bats in these early rounds. So I wanted to focus more so on the pitching. And the biggest name that stood out to me for where we're at in this draft was a guy by the name of Thomas White. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. I see you. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Talk to us about Thomas White. Thomas White, he's a, a left-handed pitcher, which automatically speaks to me because of the lack of uh, left-handed pitchers. Plus, you know, I have an affinity for pitching being a lefty. So aside from that, uh, he's the highest ranking lefty on on uh, in this draft. Yes, he is. Um, his fastball top, his fastball tops out at ninety seven. He caught a lot of swing of misses, especially up in the box. From what I saw, mm -hmm. um, in his delivery, I was watching uh, this past weekend. I saw a lot of CC Sabathia, and then I put it on. Yeah, he's I put a big on kid. a lot of. He's like six seven. Yeah, if he I'm is a big, He's a huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he has a humongous frame, like just his body wise, six five. He's almost uh, two twenty at this point. Wow. Um, but the way he the way he winds up and his delivery reminded me a lot of CC. There's a lot of whip action in his delivery. Um, he uses the, his entire body too, and you don't normally see that with guys, you know, coming out of their draft so early. They really don't know. How how to use their mechanics to their advantage. Absolutely. And I think he really does that well, especially at the, at 6'5 and that size. Um, he had a 0 0.60 ERA in 14 appearances in his college career. Um, and he goes inside on lefties a lot. And I really, really like that, especially from a left-handed pitcher. I think that going inside is a lost art. And if you're a lefty, going inside on lefties, more than often you're going to win that battle, especially with the way that he throws the ball. Those ball hard, uh, a lot of intensity with his game, and I just like how how he maneuvers uh, through batters. I like it. So it's interesting you you mention him because the way I view him is like I wonder if he falls. The reason why I say that is because if I'm not mistaken, he had a little bit of an injury issue, right? Yeah. So who knows yeah. if some folks are a little bit worried, but he is actually a physical like freak like this dude yeah. is a monster this dude is like my brother says six seven two fifty or something like that this dude is gigantic pause but like this is like 
this is like something that you would get excited for, you know, this is like, this is like, you can mold this, this, this specimen, you know, into something. And, um, from what I read, he has number two starter ceiling. So that's a very good, very good prospect that is targeted to be drafted late in the second round. So, um, I believe he's also a Vanderbilt commit too. Look at us showing us all this Vanderbilt. Yeah. Life. Um, yeah. so I saw Vandy. I actually was hoping you were going to say my guy. Um, I probably <laughs> had him listed. Okay. So we'll see. Okay. So that's like your number one target. All right, cool. And I, I like him. I'm actually, if we were to get him at 32, I'd be hyped. I'd be like, yeah, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm with that. So yeah. my guy who I'm interested in, I don't know why. I'm going to be real. I, I, the first time I looked at the prospect list and the top 100 or whatever, I don't know what it was, but I picked this dude's name. And I think I did it because, like you said, I was like, all right, we're drafting 32. Let me look at a guy late first round, and let me see this guy. Let me let me just click on this dude. And ever, he was the first name I picked, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay loyal to this dude. He was the first name I picked. I'm going to stay loyal to him. Let me see if he's any good. Holy shit, he's good. Like, holy shit, this kid is good. Charlie Soto. I got him. Charlie I got him. Soto. <laughs> he was, he was going to be my next he was gonna be my next guy. <laughs> Look, I got Charlie Soto written down on loosely paper. Yep. He's gonna be my shout next out, guy. Shout out also Florida commit. Shout out my boy Charlie Soto. Um Oh, never mind. I don't care. Never mind. <laughs> I just want the world to know Charlie Soto at age 17 is hitting 101. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and he got three pitches already. He got three pitches. Already, yep. He's six foot five. He's two ten. He's a little bit smaller than Tom. Thomas White should be playing defensive end. That's a whole nother. That dude is on another level. But Charlie Soto, I'm gonna read you something real quick. Charlie Soto has some of the best pure stuff in his draft class with three pitches in his fastball, slider, and split changeup that can all show plus, along with the delivery that he should be able to repeat for command. So, guys, he got his delivery all set. He's been up to 98 miles per hour on average with some riding life with the four-seamer while the split change has the sort of hard-fading action you expect from that pitch and shows good separation and deception. His slider is more of a plus slurve, which is like a big like pitch now in baseball, and with a break almost straight down. So it just kind of like... Um, he seems to throw it for strikes, but gets a little bit late on the pitch. He's also one of the youngest pitchers in the draft, turning 18 at the end of August at six foot five to 10 scouts find him difficult to see this spring because he's often going two weeks between outings. They probably don't want to work him a lot. That's what it is because he's 17. He has such a crazy arm. He's risky as a high school arm, but the stuff rivals that of white Thomas white for the best among all prep pitchers this year. He goes to a prep Academy. So you mentioned Thomas white, one of the best young pitchers in the draft. I mentioned Charlie Soto, another one of the best young pitchers in the draft and they're targeted for the late first round. Who knows? Maybe yep. one of them fall to us. That's how deep this draft is, folks. You know, like we're not yep. even talking about the elite. It's crazy because those two guys, they're they're good. They apparently there's better. Isn't that nuts? So Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy to think about. Uh but Charlie Charlie Soto, to your point. Yeah. Um the one of the one of the only things that's working against him other than being in high school is the fact that he didn't 
just showcase himself last summer. Yeah, I saw that. Um, a yeah. lot of these guys, a lot of these guys, um, you know, I'm pretty sure we're gonna mention it with somebody else. A lot of these guys go to summer leagues, um, and they no, like play the ball there, tournaments and stuff like yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they do really, really big tournaments that a lot of a lot of the MLB pipeline goes through. You know, scouts are there, there's coaches there, and you know. Um, that's the only thing not working in his favor. But other than that, he has potential to be one of the best pitchers in this draft. And um, I was very happy that you said his name because he was going to be my next choice. So now I have to scramble. <laughs> I have like five other names, though, thankfully. So yeah, you give me one more and then I'll give the folks one more. And then we could just kind of talk about some just rant. We could just be like names we like and stuff. So give me your second okay. guy. All right. All right, so I'm gonna stick with the pitching. Uh, You're gonna say my guy. You're gonna I, say my guy. I already know it. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know because I got like three that I'm very, I'm very excited. <laughs> it's crazy. To talk about. Wait, you know what's funny yeah. though? You know what's funny? All these pitching, all these pitching prospects, the Mets aren't gonna take one, guaranteed. I go. <laughs> I can see it, 100, percent 100. percent Um, I am going to talk about them. I'm I'm looking between the two next names that I have, and I don't know which one I like more. But I'll go, I'll go with I'll go with the one that I have I I saw and I have a little I don't know. There there's some there's something there. Go with your um, heart, brother. Go Joe with Whitman. Your heart. Joe Whitman. Joe Whitman. Okay, check you out with the scouting. <laughs> Joe Whitman. Major League Baseball draft. This is awesome. <laughs> this is so awesome. Guy, okay, you know, talk to um, me about Joe Whitman, bro. Joe Whitman is the second-ranked left-handed pitcher in this draft, obviously behind Thomas White. It's another lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, he won Mid-American Conference Pitcher of the Year after transferring to Kent State. Mm-hmm. He locates his fastball very, very well from what I saw. It's like 93 to like 96. His slider is probably his best pitch. His strikeout pitch is bread and butter. Um, you know, he throws a lot of first-pitch strikes from what I saw. Uses uh, the slider a lot as a strikeout pitch, so I could see this guy turning into possibly a reliever or a closer because of that reason. But he just—I don't know. When watching him, there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of potential there that I saw. The one thing that I think that's working against him is his delivery, and I feel like he wastes a lot of pitches. Okay. Um, and I, I and you know and some of the stuff that I read up on him that you know a lot of people claim that that's been fixed, um, you know coming into this past year, which is why he won Mid American Conference Pitcher of the Year. Um, so I just feel like this guy has a very very high ceiling, um, and he could be a very nice project for somebody you know if whether it's Jeremy Hefner or not to work on. Yeah, it's funny you you just ended with a really good word project because I actually have notes on him. And he was at Purdue, and they didn't even use him. Like they didn't even, they didn't yeah. even, they didn't even use him. They, they, they actually didn't even want to like use him. He was there for two years, and he literally threw five innings. Like what? It's crazy. Yeah. So then he makes his way to Kent State, and then he starts becoming the pitcher he is. So definitely a lot to work with, but there's a lot, a lot of positive there. He has a really good ERA. You know, for his age and where he's at, 2.5, you know, he has a lot of pitches. You know, he's he's finally, he hit 81 innings, so they're actually using him. So, shout out to Joe Whitman, man. I mean. He's 6'5", too. Another specimen out here, bro. Like, he, he, they could say he could challenge, you know, 
as the best lefty. He could eventually, like, I guess in the long run, because he has a more of a pitch mix rather than Thomas White, who Thomas White is just like the defensive end pitching, which is crazy. But um, Joe Whitman is a very interesting name. I actually didn't think you were going to pick him. Um, my next guy. It's funny. I'm, I guess we're going to stick to the theme of pitchers, and I'll be quick with oh, I it. Think I, know, I think I know who you're going to take. I think I know who you're going to take. So, real quick, before I go into my pick, Joe Whitman could absolutely be there for us at 32, and I actually think Joe yeah. Whitman could actually be there for us at 56 in the second round. So, like, Joe yeah. Whitman, like, you have to watch this whole, like, thing play out. And I think this is the first year the MLB draft is going to go three days, kind of like the NFL style of things. So if Joe Whitman doesn't get picked in that first round or in the competitive balance round, whatever, whatever, um, definitely second day pick, definitely second day pick. And I think that'll be a hot name, honestly. Um, there's so much pitching in this draft. It's crazy. Um, and I'm going to stick to the theme. I'm going to roll with my guy, Travis Sikora. Yeah, you have, you have my guy. Another beast, bro. <laughs> so Travis Sikora. This is crazy. This is like all these guys. Like, you, you, you got you got my other pick. Look, I got Joe Whitman. I got Travis Sikora. And I got my man's Charlie Soto. I got them all three in a row. So, all right. Charlie's my guy. Like, I'm, I don't know what it is. Because he's the first name. So, like I saw. So, I'm really hoping we get yeah, go nuts. But... Um, which is crazy because he's 17, so we want to see him for a while, but hey, it is right. what it is, you know. Uh, but Travis Sikora is a little bit you know, more farther along the line, he's 19, <laughs> he's he's hitting 100, you know, he's also 6'6, 220, another defensive end, like or tight end, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's probably the hardest throwing high school pitcher in the draft, hitting 100, like I mentioned. Um, <laughs> He, with along with his fastball, he's pairing it with a plus splitter that has hard tumble. Um, I guess, you know, he's hitting the floor hard, I guess, like a, some, maybe like a ghost fork pitch, I guess you want to call it. I mean, you know, maybe sharp, like a Kodai thing. Um, he has super short, sh- he has super short arm action where his arm is extremely late relatively to his front leg landing, which might be why his slider has velocity, but it doesn't have much bite or tilt. So... It's pretty much like a running fastball, more or less. He's 19, like I mentioned earlier, which will kind of hurt him in the analytical mode. Means that, like, he'll be draft eligible in two years if he ends up at a university. He is projected to be a Texas University commit. He's up for value. I mean, like, with the size and the arm, you know, and the delivery, there's a lot to work with. If he can work on that slider... Because that's probably his only knock, along with the fact that he's 19, going to be, like, selected by or going to commit for the University of Texas. He's another one that I could see us getting on day two. I, I, The thing is, though, it's like, I don't know if the Mets are, like, really into drafting guys ready to commit to college. I don't know if the Mets are, like, I mean, excuse me, ready to come out of high school. That's what I meant to say. I don't know if the Mets are really, like, really, really want to get guys straight out of high school or the prep schools, or they want to, like, get, like, certified ready guys right out of the college. Because if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Parada was, like, in college. They got him right away, yeah, right, Kevin, out, right out yeah, the gate, right? A- and I believe Jet Williams, too, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. Uh, I actually don't I mean, know that, to be honest. Um, yeah, uh, Jet Williams came from high school. 
Okay, so then there you go. So then maybe they, they, they split it. So they said they have two picks. Let me get an established guy and something we could work with for the future. So, okay, maybe they might take the... Because I know when they took Kevin Parada, it was like the pick was there because of the Kumar Rocket thing. So it was like, let's get the best available. So... Yeah. Fair enough. I was like, all right, cool. I remember when we drafted a catch, I was like, why the hell are we taking a catch when we have Alvarez? But hey, it is <laughs> what it is. I mean, and you know, I don't know what the Mets are gonna do. Honestly, I wish I had more of an idea of like kind of what they like or what they target in these, you know, drafts, especially so late, but there's so much talent. You you're pretty much you're definitely getting first round talent where they're at, even though they're technically in the first round, but they're so far down the first round. But they're definitely getting legit talent with whatever they're wherever they're selecting. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of options there. Um, this draft is very, very deep when it comes to the outfield pool. It's also very deep in the shortstop pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a lot of shortstops. Maybe you, yeah, maybe you might want to, you know, find your shortstop for the future. Who knows if it is if it is Mauricio or whoever. But you know, you think about it like this: a lot of these guys have ETAs for 2026, 2027, you know, 2025 at the very earliest. So maybe you want to get a shortstop that you that you want to be the cornerstone for your future, and you know, uh, I guess pass the torch between Lindor and that person. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe you want to get a pitcher, a ace, a homegrown ace. You know, it's not that far removed that we have that we had a what like five of them. Yeah, we thought we're gonna well, be good. You know, so well we traded for one. I th- was a Syndergaard was a trade. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, Syndergaard. So, yeah, yeah. Harry we developed. Yeah. I think yeah. we we developed um, Wheeler. Oh, Wheeler. Wheeler. Wheeler, oh, well, Wheeler. Wheeler was Beltron. Wheeler was Wheeler the Beltron, Beltron trade. Okay, so so it was Harvey, uh, Mats. Mats. Harvey yep. Mats. Degrom. So I mean, that's still good. I mean, those three guys. Yeah. I mean, they they pitch in the big leagues for a while. So, and two of them like were headed. Well, all one stars. of them. One of them is could have been a Hall of Famer. And then two of them were all stars, yep. so it is what it is. You know, I did yep. see though the Mets are in love. I don't know how true this is. I did see a report the Mets are in love with a shortstop. There's actually a shortstop the Mets are actually into. Um, George Lombard Jr. I don't know if you kind of saw that name on the board or anything. I did see that the Mets have scouted this kid. Now, George Lombard Jr. is the son of former Atlanta prospect, the team's second-round pick in 1995, and is now the Tigers' bench coach. The junior is taller and more athletic and an infielder with some real upside at the plate. He's got a straightforward swing and a quiet approach with good loft in in his future power. So they they rank power on a scale of like 0 to 70. So they feel like he's like in a range of 65 to 70, which he has big pop. However, despite plenty of bat speed, he struggled with better velocity and could get locked into a single bat path. I guess meaning he's like looking for one pitch and one pitch only. He's a solid average runner who's a shortstop now and widely varying views on whether he can stay there. Some scouts think that he's a certain he's certain at shortstop, while others see that he could definitely move to center field. And ironically enough, the common theme lately is that he's a Vanderbilt commit. Back to Kumar Rocker. So maybe the Mets like the Vanderbilt boys. They haven't really they, liked they make them. A, yeah, They yeah, make yeah. a lot of good products. Yeah. I think, uh, Vanderbilt, yeah. Vanderbilt's good. Wake Forest is good. Mississippi State yeah. is good. LSU is going to dominate this draft, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean, Florida, whatever you want. I know you don't like it, but Florida definitely puts guys in the league. Look, we got Pete. Um, 
homeboy in Cincinnati who played with Pete. There's a bunch of guys. This is even going to be a top three pick that's going to be from Florida. So um, just to remind everybody, Dylan Cruz, they quote-unquote call him baby Bryce Harper. He's the best outfielder in the draft. Paul Skeens, best overall pitcher in the draft, both from LSU. Wyatt Langford, the second-ranked outfielder in the draft from Florida. Walker Jenkins, the, the the next outfielder. They feel like he's flying up the boards. He's going to go to University of North Carolina. Max Clark, they're saying he's probably the best athlete in the entire draft. Um, he's a Vandy commit. And uh, I believe Chase Dollinger, the second-ranked pitcher, he's a monster. I believe he's from Wake Forest. He's another, like, just physical specimen. Like, the, the, it's crazy. Every, I'm looking at all these pitches. All these guys are 6'5 yeah. or taller. All it's, the, all it's them crazy, are, are bro. humongous. It's yeah. crazy, bro. Yep. And then all these guys, all these, like, outfielders or shortstop, you, you're hearing power and speed. Like, and you know what's funny? Like, like that's what I think baseball is shifting to. You look at, like, Ellie De La Cruz, power, speed, large. They're all looking. It, it's funny. It reminds me so much of, like, like looking for that wide receiver in the NFL that is like like you literally need like four guys to guard him. He can jump in the air, yeah. he can blow by any type of coverage. You can throw the ball anywhere, he'll get it. And you know, he's just a mismatch. Julio Jones. So we got like Julio Jones playing shortstop. What is this? Like this yeah, is not this is not your this is not your grandpa's major league baseball. It's crazy. No, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like Ellie Dela Cruz is like six, what, four, five? And then you got O'Neal Cruz, who's – I know he's out with injury, but that's another one. That's yeah. another problem. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, it might it might be a common trend for guys to just be built like Travis Kelsey at shortstop. <laughs> Maybe that's the wave that crazy, that baseball bro. wants to go in, which is cool. I'm, I'm all for it. But then you look at the pitches. These guys are the same size throwing like 105, 101, 103. You know, like it's, it's only going to go up. You know, we're going to have somebody who's routinely hitting 105 one day. Um, you mentioned a couple names. Some of them I like, like uh, Red Louder. I like Wyatt Langford. I like. You just um, like the pitching because you're a pitcher. And you picked all the lefties because you lefty. That's what you did. I do. But I have <laughs> I have one. I have a name that I do like, but he's not He's not going to be a Met. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Noble Meyer. Um, he was, from what I saw. It just his delivery looked just like Roy Oswald. Are you it serious? Looked, looked okay. Like, yeah. Like it was very precise in the leg kick. Um the three quarters, you know, the extension uh between the, the, the arm and the and the leg. It was it was very nice to watch him pitch, um, from what I saw. Mm-hmm. He threw very well. Um, you know, this draft is gonna be very, very deep and I'm very happy that the Mets are kind of like in this position where they can they can go pitching, but they can also go hitting, and it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you if you like, by the way, Noble Noble Meyer six five. Um, <laughs> another one. Yeah. If you go down the list, you go to like guys. I'll just go real quick. I'll pick somebody ranked thirtieth on the big board. Or, or 30, yeah, this guy might be the only one to rival uh, Dylan Cruz. He's li- This guy's literally ranked 30th. Uh, Nolan Chanul, he, 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 he batted 447. What? His slugging was 800. What? Like, what the f-, f? Like, what is this? You know, this is crazy. Yeah. So, 
if you got a guy ranked 30th who can produce just like Dylan Cruz, who's going to go number one, maybe. Like, what? This is crazy. Honestly, I've never, ever seen Major League Baseball have this sort of talent for a draft, even though I've only watched, like, two legit drafts. But I've never seen the hype about Because the more I hear, the more we get closer, I'm starting to, like, whoa, this is kind of nuts. So keep in mind, uh, Francisco Alvarez and Corbin Carroll, like, are no bigger than a minute. And you got this draft filled with just towers. So it's crazy how prospects can come in all shapes and sizes. It's an, yeah. Actually, it's kind of crazy. Um, one last guy that I'll mention, I, I don't want him for the Mets, but he should be like, he might be the most talked about prospect in the draft because he's a two-way player. He is literally going into the draft as a two-way player. Bryce Eldridge. Keep your eye out on this guy. He's a first baseman and a pitcher. So he's kind of... Following the Shohei Otani route, he wants to be a dual player. And I think we may start seeing in the future this be a thing because of what Shohei Otani's doing in Major League Baseball. So just um, if you do tune into the draft, Bryce Eldridge is going to probably be a name that, oh, my God, the, 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 whoever gets him is an awesome prospect, awesome project to have, blah, blah, blah. So keep that in mind. Um we're going to wrap this up. We're going to go over our amazings of the week and our bozos of the week. And we're going to make a little quick announcement at the end. So that was a lot. Um, Cohen's presser, the whole draft to give you guys a rundown on everything. He's been breaking down the rules. Glad you're still with us the whole way. So thank you again for tuning in. Um, why are we going to kick off with my baby brother? Baby brother, who's your bozo of the week? Um, my bozo of the week is the All Star, the only All Star for the Mets. <laughs> oh, it is Peter Alonso. Oh shit! That's, that's that's my bozo of the week, and I'm sticking to it. The reason why he is my bozo of the week is that he had two games at least in the past week that he caused us with his defense. Not to mention he's not hitting. He's hitting very very poorly. He's breaking bats because he's angry, and I appreciate that. I appreciate him throwing some okay, emotion and on the for that dumb shit. Yeah, yeah, fuck around and, you know, tear an elbow. I don't care. It, it, you know, like, just don't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially because we need you. We kind of do need you, even though you're playing like shit right now. Um, yeah, it's Pete Alonzo, man. Um, I don't think he deserved his all-star vote, but that's neither here or there. We could do a whole podcast on that. Um, but, look, he hasn't been hitting. He hasn't been performing well. He knows it. He's acknowledged it, um, which is the least you can do. And, you know, we obviously need him to be good if we're going to turn this around. Oh, so, Pilonzo, um, if you want that $300 million check, you got to be better, my boy. Yeah, nah, I don't know. We all yeah. know how I feel about that. Absolutely not. Um, shout out to Gen Z, Adam Dunn. Um, my bozo <laughs> of the week is going to be my favorite relief pitcher for the New York Mets, and it's Jeff Bridgham. You know why he's my favorite reliever? Because he's not here no more. That's why he's my yeah. favorite reliever. I never want to see this guy pitch ever again in my life. I don't care if it's for another team. We yeah. we made a little bullshit trade, by the way, guys, that resulted in him getting DFA'd. That's probably my favorite part about him, about the trade, getting him getting DFA'd. Um, we paid $4.5 million for some reliever in Seattle. We'll see how it works. Whatever. But... um it resulted in Jeff Bridgham getting cut. So shout out to uh, Billy Epler for listening to me on that one. I ain't asking him to go pay $4.5 million for a fucking reliever, 
But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, I got Brigham out of here. I never want to see him again. So he's my bozo of the week. Um, yeah, that guy is terrible. One of the worst relievers I've ever seen in wearing the New York Met uniform. Um, yeah. I'll give you my amazing of the week, and then we'll finish off with yours. Uh, my amazing of the week. Um, it was a little tough because we kind of been in a little bit of a rut. But there was one shining star, a star that has been overlooked throughout his career. And he's doing everything he can for this ball club. And I'm really happy that he's doing everything he can. He may not play with the ball club for the whole year, but wherever he ends up, I'm going to root for him. And that's Tommy Pham. Shout out to Tommy Pham. Um, you've been just doing everything you possibly can to make every Met fan fall in love with you. So shout out to you. And uh, long may it continue. Yeah. Um, that is my amazing of the week as well. Tommy Pham. Um, he obviously did not want to be here. Um, if you listen to some of the things that he said when he was first inducted into the organization or whatever, um, but he's making the most of his situation. He knows that there's going to be a team out there that's going to come swoop him up, mm-hmm. and he's hitting the cover off the ball, and shouts out to him. He, he did say there was, there was a classic post-game interview that he had this year of him talking about having calluses on his uh, hands which is, you know, the stuff that you get when you lift heavy things or, or you're just messing around with your hands and then it blisters up. Um, yeah, no, Tommy Pham is the best. Shouts out Tommy Pham. I wasn't a fan of him. A fam. The other fam of him. Um, but but shouts out Tommy Pham, man. Keep doing your thing. Um, you always got a fan of me for the way that you've handled your situation. Yeah, he's he's turned a lot of people around. So shout out to him. I mean, that's what you want from guys like that. Guys, you know, are overlooked, you know. Especially when yep. you have a big roster like the Mets. Um, yep. Shout out to him. Shout out to Cohen for sh- you know shooting the breeze with the fans. Um, shout out to all the prospects that are going to get drafted this Sunday. You know it's a real big moment for everyone out there. Shout out to all you guys. Hopefully the Mets land one of our guys. Yep. In 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 the reality we live in, they'll probably draft no one we like or the guy that draft doesn't want to sign with the Mets. So prepare yourself, guys. Um, yeah. With that being said, just want to make an announcement. If you are one of our friends on Twitter, um, we're going to be holding a space during the NFL, hear me, the NFL, the MLB draft this Sunday. So if you have a Twitter account, look for us, Shea and Sons, and jump on in, have your say. We want fans of all teams. Well, I'm going to try and get a lot of people out there, you know, non-Met fans, because it's probably better that way. See what they like, see you know, what their needs are, where their farm situation is at, because I can't keep up with everyone's farm. I have no idea. So it is what it is. Um, So, yeah, look out for us there. We'll interact with you guys, access all the questions you guys want to access. And, um, yeah, man, it's episode 13. Went a little long, but we gave you guys a lot of vital information. It's a big week, a lot of stuff to go over. You know, owner out here telling everybody, to, you know, what did Aaron Rodgers say to relax? So there you go. Relax, yeah. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. So there you go. Steve Cohen took a a page out of the hippies book. So shout out to him. You like that jab I do in there, right? No, I didn't like it. I didn't (laughs) like it at all. I didn't like it one bit. Oh, boy, man. That's a wrap on episode 13. (laughs) We got to go to sleep, y'all. Y'all be safe. That's a wrap. I'll see ya. (laughs) Let's fucking go Mets. Thanks for checking out the Shades Sun Podcast. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. And stay tuned for the next episode.